It's undeniable that church is changing because of our relationship to technology. At Faith Life, we have a front row seat to that change as it unfolds across thousands of churches of all traditions and sizes, because we use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. My name is Kristen Tete, and I make things here at Faith Life because ministry is in my blood. I'm a millennial, but don't turn off the podcast. It just means I'm a digital native, so I can help you. Technology is a tool, but a tool without a purpose is useless. So in the Equipping the Church podcast, we'll not only teach you how to use some of the technology you might already have, we'll help you apply what you learn to your context. You can have an amazing worship team, but put them in the hands of a volunteer who doesn't know the difference between gain and volume, and they could end up a very unhappy worship team. Today, we'll talk with Jack Underwood, our audio engineer for equipping the church. His work speaks for itself. This is where I hope he had some sort of effect. He leads worship at his church in addition to training his audio team. And every once in a while, you can find him in the back of the sanctuary running the mix himself. Today, Jack gives us a behind the scenes of the behind the scenes and tells us what every sound guy wishes the worship leader knew. Jack, you are our audio engineer for equipping the church, and you're also on the instructional media team here at Faith Life. Instructional media produces a host of content, including Logos Mobile Ed. And for those of you who don't know, Logos Mobile Ed is essentially seminary level courses that aren't gated by college admissions. Here's the thing about Jack. He makes everyone sound good. I mean it. You should hear what I sound like in real life. My voice is like two octaves higher. First, Jack, welcome to Equipping the Church. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm looking forward to going back in post and uh, altering your voice. <laughs> <laughs> First, uh, how did you find your way into helping other people sound so good? Tell us your story. Yeah. Um, well, so I grew up uh, as a musician first um, and all musicians kind of want to play with other musicians and I didn't have any musicians to play with. Uh, so the idea of doing music sequencing and programming on the computer, uh, when I got into college and stuff like that was like, I don't, I don't have to have a band. I can be all of the band at the same time. Um, and so that's the kind of the sad truth. about <laughs> it. I didn't have enough friends. Um, but so getting into doing kind of like digital computer audio and stuff like that, um, having a whole host of plugins like compressors, gates, and uh, everything that's uh, you can tweak sound with and learn how to EQ. Um, that kind of was my first exposure to it. And then uh, um, that coincided nicely with an interim position I was doing at my church, um, which gave me the freedom to take that passion and then apply it and start tweaking things in our church, uh, over that, that time period. So it just kind of was a perfect timing and matchup, uh, to where I could invest a significant amount of time in that. Mm -hmm. And what instrument did you play or do you play? Well, my primary is guitar. I grew up playing acoustic intentionally stayed away from the electric because I know my personality and <laughs> what does will, that mean? I will, uh, I'll throw money <laughs> around. <laughs> and if I get one guitar, then I have to get this pedal and 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 this pedal. And this pedal. So anyways, and everyone <laughs> listening was like, oh yeah, yeah I totally know what you're talking going, about. Yep. I get it. <laughs> well, uh, let's, let's get to, um, sound in the church. 
this is a category that's not talked about as much. And uh, one reason why we wanted to have you uh, come out from behind the mixer in front of the microphone. Um, so give us a quick rundown of the basic job of a sound person in a church. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, the the primary role of the sound person in the church is to make sure that the proclamation of the gospel is heard and heard clearly. Um, mm. And that, I mean, that's a much more philosophical approach to it. Um, but I think that if we don't start there and building that mentality into our sound text at churches um, that it almost can kind of devalue their role down to just, I, I, I twist knobs, I push faders, mm-hmm. I EQ, I mix, but really, um, I mean, their role is to make sure that, that the preaching, that the singing, that the, the gospel that's being proclaimed from the platform is heard and understood. Cause that's, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, above that, you know, there is the, <laughs> the checklist of uh, setting up, uh, sound on the platform, uh, dialing in a mix, things like that. But I think it's got to start at the at the philosophical level that their role is to uh, to make sure things are being clearly heard. So here at Faith Life, you can throw a stone and hit a hundred mm-hmm. gear geeks. And now, based upon our pedal conversation, <laughs> yeah. I know that you are one of them. <laughs> so, do churches uh, really have to spend a lot of money in order um, to get gear that produces good sound quality? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think absolutely yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which can kind of be a bummer answer. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll say, though, that doesn't mean you have to get the most expensive thing on the market. Um, you really want to dive into uh, knowing what your needs are for a specific uh, particular uh, piece of gear. Um, and a lot of times we'll find ourselves looking at something um, more so in like a musical instrument realm. Um, but this applies to soundboards and stuff like that too. Um, where you start looking and it's like, oh, it's got all these cool features and all these cool effects and everything like that. But really in our church context, we'll use like 10% of what this thing can actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that often will guide and direct us in our purchasing decisions to um, like, okay, well, let's find the next thing down in tier. So let's just not go crazy by the top of the line stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we're we're purchasing equipment that we'll get the full use out of. Um, and that will off, often drive us to still purchasing good quality equipment, but finding uh, things in cheaper price brackets and stuff like that. So Okay. Okay. Well, that's, and people ask us often, you know, what kind of, what kind of, uh, Uh, tools should I get? Mm -hmm. And um, we always want to set people's expectations appropriately, right? If it's going to be kind of costly. Yeah. You want to invest in microphones, good microphones. There you go. You heard it here, people. You you do get what you pay for. Uh, So what's the profile of a great sound person for the church out there who's struggling to know who to put behind the mixer? What are the qualities they should look for? Uh, What I found to be the most helpful is someone who just has a desire to learn. Um, because sound, I mean, it can be simple. You can kind of teach a very basic approach to it, you know, and kind of strip down a lot of the responsibilities of the sound person. Um, but really someone up there who, uh, wants to, uh, wants to learn how to do sound because sound kind of has building blocks, right? Like you have to understand some of the fundamentals before you can start going deeper and deeper and deeper. And a lot of things are like that too, but I'd really rather have someone up there who, um, who wants to learn how to do it. Um, and maybe doesn't have any or as much experience, um, than 
someone who's maybe burnt out on it, who's been doing it for years, who are, you know, kind of um, my way or the highway type mm. personalities. Um, yeah, really just a desire to learn um, and to understand uh, is, is, I think, probably the best quality that you can look for. Okay. Uh, worship teams are largely comprised of a group of volunteers who practice for an hour each week and then show up early on Sunday for another round of practice. And in the average church in the United States, the sound person only has Sunday morning to get everything set up. So when you have keys, vocalists, drums, bass, acoustic guitar, maybe electric guitar now too, and occasionally a special, a special instrument like a banjo or a cello, how do you take all of those raw materials and quickly sculpt them into sound? That's a, that's a very big question. I wish it was as easy as there's a magic button that you can push and it just, <laughs> boom, there you go. Um, so quickly, um, kind of what, what I try and encourage uh, uh, our sound techs at my church to do um, is to kind of focus on two things, two main things. Uh, the one is the technical term being gain staging. That's just making sure that um, the signal flow coming from the instruments, uh, your gain, kind of like a dam. Um, you want to have, you're, you're controlling the flow of that signal. So you want to make sure that you're getting good, uh, strong signal coming into the board um, from all the instruments. So starting there. And then from there, um, doing some basic EQing where you're just trying to find, um, you know, scooping out low mids where the mud kind of builds up in the bass section and stuff like that, you know, making sure the higher frequencies are being perceived clearly. Um, and so, but, but it can go deep dive from there. Um, but yeah, a, a quick rough, uh, is just quickly setting gain, um, doing a quick EQ, um, and then mixing. I mean, we, we, at our church, we, uh, I mean, I can say mixing, uh, and I think there's a mentality where you can kind of set the mix once and you can be done, um, but that's absolutely not true. Um, so I'd say you'd set your instrument, you know, your levels in in the sanctuary, um, but from song to song and even from from minute to minute, uh, really that mix should be constantly changing. I noticed that a lot of worship leaders use words like muddy and wet. And I mean, what are those crunchy. even, yeah, crunchy, yeah. like I want, I, I want more chunky sound from <laughs> the acoustics. And then I, you know, like, what does that even mean? What does that mean? That's a good question. And it, it changes depending. <laughs> it's like a feel? Oh, well, it's like, it's like taste, right? Like <laughs> taste is so subjective that you mm -hmm. try and best identify what you want to hear with something and it sounds similar. Um, so crunchy, I kind of like to attribute those sounds to maybe musical genres in a way. Mm. So when I think crunchy, I think like alternative rock mm. where the, where the rhythm guitar is just driving and it's just got some mid range crunch to oh. it. Muddy is where you can't differentiate between the bass guitar and maybe the bass notes on the keyboard. Mm. Um, sharp when, when the worship leader yells, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's too bright and it hurts everyone's ears or the drum cymbals are too clangy or something mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, it's our best attempt at trying to <laughs> grab yeah. the un, the unwritten sound guy rule book of trying to attribute audio problems to 
English words. <laughs> so on that note, pun completely intended, what's useful feedback for a sound person to hear from the worship leader? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, um, a, a good feedback is always helpful, but critical feedback for sure. Um, it, it, it can be hard, uh, speaking from experience as um, someone at our church who helps lead worship uh, from time to time, it can be hard because uh, generally the worship leader will get the feedback before the sound person does. And then the worship leader is put in this spot where it's like, well, I didn't hear anything that you did, but this is what I've been told you need to fix. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of an awkward dynamic there. Um, but uh, I mean, critical feedback is always good when you can give it. And that's where it's helpful to have someone in church who's um, the worship leader is, is, is working with, but someone who's ultimately maybe in charge of running the sound so that they're not on the platform on Sunday morning and can actually give the feedback that, that needs to be given. Um, so sort of like a lead audio tech. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, and I mean, not every church can swing that. Um, not every church has um, the volunteer base or the, the skill set mm -hmm. to be able to swing that because that person does kind of need to know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that the, the worship leader dynamic with the sound tech, um, I mean, that's an important relationship. And I think uh, all, all, the, the sound tech needs to know that the worship leader is on their side. Um, that uh, that the, the sound tech is kind of taking direction from the worship leader or the lead sound guy in our church. It, it, it would be the, the worship pastor um, implementing kind of our mixing practices and church philosophy into what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and everything kind of, all that feedback filters through that. So if there is um, some feedback that's given that's uh, negative or, you know, oh, the, the guitar is too loud, um, is it ever that? It's always the drums. <laughs> oh, not in our church. It's me. It's the electric guitar. <laughs> um, sometimes it's the drums, yes. Um, but anyways, it's it's kind of filtering that 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 feedback through um, what's kind of personal preference, what is intentional decisions that we're, we're making um, in our church, uh, kind of coming from a context where... Um, we're, we're trying to mix louder, um, not, not too loud. You know, we have a set DB range that we want to be in, um, that promotes congregational singing yet makes it so that people can be heard, um, that the congregation can actually hear themselves singing. Um, and there's been some bumps, you know, as you try and shift some of that culture, mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of, uh, we've been intentional not to give some of some of that feedback because we know that it is preferential, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's yes, maybe you're, it, is it being, is it actually too loud and is it too distracting or is that just a personal preference? Yeah. Um, and you just don't really care for the electric guitar. So, so the feedback that gets up to the sound tech is the, is, is gone through a filter of, um, is the, uh, is the drums too loud and is it distracting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if so, then yes, uh, let's have a conversation. Let's mix that down. Yeah. Um, so in order to have that kind of a relationship, the worship leader and the sound person, um, do you have any advice for building that relationship so that you can deliver critical feedback when it is objective and not so subjective? Yeah, right. Well, I mean, um, regardless of whether your church uh, calls uh, whoever's leading the music, music director, worship leader, worship pastor, um, I think inevitably there are pastoral 
implications for that role. I mean, they're in a position of leadership. Um, and so taking the time to, um, to get to know your, your volunteers, um, taking the sound people out to get coffee, out to lunch. So just making sure that they know that they're valued, not just for their talents, but just for, um, for who they are as people, that, that they are valued members of Christ's body, that they are valued members of your church, um, and knowing what's going on in their lives. Um, and in a genuine way, not in a I need you to do these things, and so I need to get to know, you know, uh, but but love your volunteers, uh, get to know them, care for them. And then I think another key thing uh, that, that can build that relationship, um, fortunately in our church, we don't have any um, tension between the worship team and, you know, the AV team, which is great. I know some churches do have, you know, you just hear horror stories of the worship pastor, worship leader, battling the lead sound tech and different philosophies and stuff like that. So fortunately, that's not our context, but I know churches are out there um, that do struggle with that. Um, making sure uh, that the the AV team, you know, audio and visual, um, are feel that they're they're a part of the worship team, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, there's often, I mean, physically there's a gap yeah, generally right. between the people on the platform and the people behind the mixing board. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, uh, I think generally churches, worship teams will pray, you know, before the services, uh, making sure that their, their audio and visual texts are invited into that space. Um, and, uh, that that they that they feel that they are actually a part of fostering the worship culture, because um, they are inevitably because they are the ones who are controlling the volume of whether or not they people can hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, making sure that they're a part of of feeling that that they are actually contributing something much bigger than just uh, filling in on a Sunday morning to to push some faders. So yeah, I love that advice. And for the worship pastors who are out there listening, that's something to do this weekend. If you don't already, um, have your AV team join you in prayer before the service. Um, I love that. And I'm, I'm feeling convicted about that as somebody who's on a worship team. Moment uh, of confession. Uh, <laughs> we don't do that <laughs> at our church. So this Sunday, so this Sunday we're all going to go and pray with <laughs> one team, one church, one body. Um, so what do you wish worship leaders knew about sound? Hmm. That there can be a myriad of problems that happen. And for a myriad of reasons <laughs> and that, uh, um, that patience, it goes a long way and, and trust too, uh, trusting the, the sound text to, um, be able to problem solve when there's this crazy feedback that happening that wasn't happening last week or the overall DB level is significantly quieter and I can't figure it out why <laughs> you can't, uh, you know, so, so having patience in those moments and, and trust and encouraging, you know, you've got this, you can figure it out. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that it's important for worship leaders to know that the sound world is big. Um, Murphy's law still applies. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Um, and, and to be fair, you know, I think Hopefully a lot of worship leaders do understand that, but it's important to know that it's a big world and and lots can happen. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. So, so, and then let's take this out to the whole church because mm -hmm. people have opinions about volume, about, uh, I I mean, just free, like, uh, tone. Uh, I mean, 
you put it out there in front of people and they're going to have opinions about this. So what, is, what do you wish the congregation knew about sound? I think I'm, I'm going to take that a step further um, because I think it loops back into my uh, answering what the role of the sound tech's job is, um, and that being making sure that the, um, the proclamation of the gospel is heard on Sunday morning. Um, because that is the whole reason why we gather together on Sunday morning, which means that uh, in some ways we need to die to our preferences um, because church isn't about us. It's about God. Uh, and now I say that, um, you know, and and it can be like, well, then why do we have why do we do it a certain way at one church? And why, you know, because, um, I mean, preferences still have a role. Ultimately, it's up to the worship leader, the pastoral staff that's kind of casting that vision. But um, ultimately, um, knowing that sometimes what's happening from the soundboard um, is is part of a bigger picture. It's part of something um, trying to foster worship culture in a church. Um, So it's not just, it's too loud, why are you making it too loud? It's we're trying to create a worship culture here that's glorifying to God um, and coming to this church, coming to church in general means uh, dying to ourselves and dying to our preferences and saying, okay, well, this is serving a certain demographic or a certain section of our church really well. And hopefully the worship leader um, is sensitive to that and saying, okay, we are serving this demographic and this part of our church really well, but let's also care for this section of our church as well. Um, and likewise, the other <laughs> section needs to die to, to their preferences as well and saying, Hey, this might not be my favorite song, but, but it's really serving this congreg this part of the congregation really well. Um, so, so the congregation know that you're part of something much bigger, um, that the, the sound tech is, is taking directive sometimes <laughs> from, uh, someone above them, and in the job scale or whatever. Um, but ultimately the goal is, uh, to worship God. Um, and that means, uh, that means we kind of, we got to give some things up. Yeah, that's good, Jack. Uh, well, we really appreciate you spending time with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you're in our ears on a regular basis and now you're in the ears of the other people who are listening. So, um, we're glad for that. So if you who are listening have questions about sound for Jack, go to our community at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast and ask him those questions and Jack might just answer. If you're familiar with the Christian rock band Hawk Nelson, this group was very popular when I was in junior high youth group, if that dates me at all. The lead artist, John Steingard, shared some tips with us here at Faith Life in the January ministry team article, Keeping Tech in Check. Many people do not know this, but not only is he talented on stage, but his talents are also behind the stage as an audio technician. With all of his background experience, he suggests keeping four things in mind during worship. First, remember to direct people to the song and lyrics rather than the performance. It's easy for the congregation to be distracted, So in his opinion, less is more. Second, show the congregation where to focus if you're running a live feed to your screens by highlighting the most important parts. For example, if you're coming off an instrumental bridge back to a verse, make sure the verse is on screen before the worship team starts singing it. 
Chances are there are new people at your church each Sunday who aren't familiar with your style or traditions, and this will help them feel more comfortable. The third tip is to make sure you know the music and that you are connecting with the worship team often and on the same page. It's easy to think that tech and worship are two different worlds, but they are not. Last but not least, remember to have a cue in place with the worship team to bring the lights down when the worship leader is engaging with the congregation. It's helpful for worship leaders to be able to see the congregation that they're engaging with. There you have it, tips from a pro musician. Are you involved in audio tech at your church? If so, we want to hear from you. Share your tips for great audio in the Equipping the Church Faith Life group at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. If you'd like to subscribe to Ministry Team Magazine, check out ministryteam.com slash ETC. As a worship leader myself, I know how it feels to get to the end of a verse and have my mind go utterly blank. What's the next verse? Even if I've sung a song dozens of times, I still can forget the lyrics in the moment. Enter the Faith Life Proclaim Confidence Output. The confidence output is meant to be displayed on a monitor. Confidence monitors are important for worship teams that want to stay a step ahead of the congregations they're leading. They show the team up on the platform what the congregation is seeing. And in the Faith Life Proclaim Confidence Monitor, they also give you a little assist by showing you the first line of the next verse. So crucial. You can set up the Confidence Monitor to display all sorts of things, including the name of the hymn, a countdown clock, even a message from your AV team at the booth. They can send you, you know, messages like, be a little quieter or uh, you guys are doing great. Um, our AV team has never done that, but if they did, that would be so encouraging. I hope they're listening. So here's how you can set up the confidence output. Make sure that you have a television screen or other display connected to the main computer running Proclaim. Because you can run Proclaim on either a Mac or a PC, your setup experience will vary a little bit. Um, but either way, it's only a few simple steps. Once your monitor or display is connected, open Proclaim and find Settings on the top menu. When the Settings menu opens, select Display. A Settings box will appear and you'll find Monitor on the right-hand side of the box. Make sure you leave the first monitor as Slides and put your mouse in the second monitor's drop-down. While there, select Confidence Monitor. This activates the Confidence Monitor portion of the Settings and you can choose to display a number of options, the slide title, song lyric preview, clock, countdown timer. You get the idea. When you start presenting or go on air, as we call it, your confidence monitors will display high contrast text that's easy for the worship team to see. Now, if you're a visual learner and you just got totally lost in my description, I encourage you to watch the video our team made on confidence outputs. We've linked to it in our Equipping the Church community on faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. While you're there, take a moment to tell us which song you need a confidence monitor for. Now, for me, I will admit it's Hill Songs. What a beautiful name. I can't ever remember if it's beautiful, powerful, wonderful. It's all great. I just can't remember the order. And if you don't have Faith Life Proclaim, you can try it out for free for the first month by going to the link fl.vu slash proclaim etc.
podcast was brought to you by Faith Life and co-produced by Amber Smith and me, Kristen Tete. Our audio technician is Jack Underwood. To subscribe and learn more about how to equip your church, go to faithlife.com slash podcasts slash ETC. If this is useful to you, take a moment to rate and review the Equipping the Church podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. While you're there, give us your ideas for future episodes. And as always, we love hearing your stories. So share them with us at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Thanks for spending your time with us today. Blessings to you in your ministry.